0: Hey everybody! Welcome to another episode of the Podcast Manager Show. I'm Lauren, and I am so glad that you're here with me today because we are chatting with Shar Alves. Shar is a student of the Podcast Manager Program, and she's a podcast manager and a strategist who specializes in working primarily with medics, therapists, and life coaches. And Shar and I go deep into how she got started in podcast management, what she was doing beforehand, and how podcast management lets her live a flexible lifestyle that she's looking for. Another thing we talk about and another thing that Shar is really focused on is using the power of podcasts to help her clients build inclusive communities and vocalize important issues traditionally censored on social media. So I'm not sure if that's something that you've thought about, but I love that Shar talks about that on this episode Outside of podcasting, Shara is passionate about politics, social justice issues, and she's a self confessed shark geek. She's originally from the UK, but she's living in the south of Brazil with her Brazilian husband. And we talk about how that has impacted her choice to work online. She's also managing a chronic illness. And so we touch on that, on how this type of work is much more suitable for someone working with disabilities or who has a chronic illness so if that's you or if you know someone that's in that position then this episode is going to be even more impactful because that is part of Shar's story this is such a good one so let's just go ahead and get to it let's go talk to Shar. hey there i'm lauren and you're listening to the podcast manager show a podcast for podcast managers Each week we cover the technical and tactical aspects of running a profitable podcast manager business. With over 90,000 new shows starting each month, podcast managers are in demand. I mean, in demand. And I'm here to help you land your dream clients while reaching your monthly income goals without working like crazy. Are you ready? Let's get to today's episode. Shar, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat about you and your story. And I'm just, I know we're going to have a great conversation. So thanks for being here. Let's start with who you are. Can you explain to us who Shah is?
1: Okay. Well, um, my name is Shah, and I'm a podcast manager originally from the UK, but I don't live there anymore. I live in the South of Brazil with my husband. And, um, I've been doing podcast management for about a year and a half now, I think. And basically I was working as an online English teacher for a Chinese company. And I was living in a big, a big apartment in Rio with a lot of Brazilian guys. And the company that I worked for, I needed to have my ethernet cable plugged into my laptop to teach. And this apartment was just like a party house and people were unplugging my ethernet cable whilst I was teaching and I ended up losing my job in Brazil no work permit and I was like oh my god what am I going to do and I was like I need to get into the VA space and I need to do it quickly Mm -hmm. so that is kind of how I got into the digital digital space in general and I ended up niching down into podcast management because I saw a post from you in a Facebook group and I was like I love podcasts why am I not doing this love that I didn't really know where to start with kind of the general stuff I was like I need a niche Mm. because I need to know everything and I saw your your post in one of the Facebook groups I was like I need it on this course I need to learn this is where I want to be
0: yeah I love that now, how did you know about the virtual assistant space while you were teaching English?
1: Well, most people that I knew that were in English teaching hated the job. They didn't enjoy it. They didn't feel secure. And it's a really exhausting environment to be in, having to smile all the time, be really chirpy. I'm, I'm British. I'm not chirpy. That is kind of not my vibe. Mm-hmm. So having to smile for a lot of my day and kind of be a bit of a clown entertaining children mm. wasn't for me. And we were all having conversations about how do we escape this but not lose our freedom to kind of travel or be where we want to be. A lot of us were in relationships with Brazilians and needed to stay, needed to make some money. And we we're like how do we get out of this without losing kind of this security so I was already trying to transition into kind of the VA world whilst I was teaching Mm -hmm. it was just that because of the constant unplugging of the Ethernet cable that kind of transition happened a little bit quicker than I expected it to do
0: yeah and it's like you didn't you didn't have that like long drawn out like okay when do I stop teaching when do I go full-time it's like nope you're becoming a
1: VA and you're becoming a VA now (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, it was like, wow, I really need to eat this week. So how am I going to make that work? Yes.
0: So then you just you're like, I love podcasts. This sounds like the you know perfect niche. Did you have any like hesitations before kind of going all in on podcast management?
1: I think that I had like a lot of fears about the digital space in general. I was worried that I wouldn't be hired because I wasn't American or I wasn't based in America. And I think I emailed you about this actually before I bought the course, I think I sent you an email and was like, are people going to hire me even though I'm not American? Because obviously I've been in the VA space beforehand and I was seeing all these kind of job opportunities and everybody was asking for a US-based contractor. And I was like, is this going to work for me? Is this going to be something that's going to be viable for me? And I was a little bit concerned. Yeah. I think with niching down into podcast management, I think all of us have this kind of concern that are we going to be able to edit good enough? Are we going to be good enough at the strategy? Are we going to be this mm. whole package? So that was something that was a big problem for me. I am my own worst enemy and I think I kind of beat myself down a little bit. So for me, it was just taking my time. I was doing a lot of, a lot of stuff in podcast management, but I wasn't necessarily rushing to take on clients, if that makes sense. I wasn't doing everything for everybody because I was like, I need to learn this inside out. I need to know it from start to finish. I need to feel confident on Mm -hmm. my sales calls. And for some people, that's super easy. It comes really naturally. And for other people, it doesn't. So if there's anybody that's kind of thinking about niching into podcast management, but isn't a hyper-confident person, you can get there. it just taking your time to make sure that you know everything inside out.
0: yeah, so I love that advice because, yeah, you're so right. I mean, some people come into podcast management super confident, and the funny thing is is that ninety nine percent of us don't have any experience you know, in podcasting or in audio or in something that's like formal training, whereas other niches, you know, marketing or social media, people have more confidence because they've done it. They've had their own Instagram account or they have some sort of marketing background and they can they can be a little bit more confident. But that's not usually the case with podcast management, which I think is really cool because you can literally like start a career from nothing, right? But I would love to know as you grew your confidence, you said that it's mainly based around like you taking your time and really understanding things. Did you find that just acting helped you grow your confidence or not so much? It was it more of the studying.
1: I think for me, it was more of the the studying. I'm that type of person that unless I feel like I'm containing a significant amount of information, that my lack of confidence can be a huge downfall for me. For me, if I want to show up confident, I have to have that knowledge. So I was kind of taking things like one step at a time. So I think I watched every single unit on the course like six or seven times to retain the information and then it was kind of a step where it was like okay so now I'm going to start doing like really really basic audio editing with like one track and then it was two tracks and then it was like compiling everything together and then it was audiograms and as I was progressing through all this material I was opening myself up to more opportunities coming in I didn't want to rush it I think if you're not a very confident person that if you rush it, if you get knocked down, sometimes it's really hard to get back up again. So for me, it was about studying and then putting all that knowledge into practice.
0: Yeah. And it can be so easy to get caught up in like looking at everyone else around you and what pace they're on and knowing, like it seems like you know yourself very well. And so you know you knew, like I can do this slow and I can be successful. Because I think there's this underlying message that if you go slow if you go slower than other people you can't be successful which is ridiculous right like with anything in life it doesn't matter how quickly you could you do it it's like if you finish it if you start it if you put in the work that is required like that those are the things that matter so I love that you kind of knew that about yourself going into it
1: the last thing that I wanted was to take on a client for everything and be totally overwhelmed and then that result in like negative testimonials or a breakdown in relationship, I think that some people can be like, okay, that's fine. I'm going to jump straight in and I'm going to do really, really well. And that doesn't work for everybody. And there's no shame in taking your time. There's Mm. no shame in working your nine to five until you feel super confident to just dive straight in. There's no shame in doing everything piece by piece and kind of building your reputation. One of the things I really didn't want to do was to be some kind of false authority figure in the digital space. I wanted to know exactly what I was talking about. I didn't want to be the kind of person that was looking at what everybody else was doing and just kind of parroting that same thing over and over again. If I was going to be an authority in this space, if I was going to do this job I was going to do it properly and I was going to learn what I needed to do.
0: Yeah, that's such a great mindset to have. I mean, such a great mindset. And it also shows that like you're in it for the long run, you know, and it's okay to come into something and say like, is this right for me? Is it not right for me? And to not know fully, but to have this mindset that like, I'm willing to put the hours in, I'm willing to learn, I'm willing to, you know, go slow, I'm willing to make mistakes, I'm willing to to do it, you know, because that's what it's all about is you know, is to be being open to growing, really. Yes, definitely. So I've seen you post and talk about openly about having a chronic illness, and I'd love to know how you've been able to manage that with this, you know, being an entrepreneur and having a business.
1: For me, I've been through this constant cycle of nearly being fired from every job that I had. I started to feel quite sick in high school. I was constantly being told that I was a hypochondriac by my teachers. I missed a lot of school in my final years when I was taking my exams and I didn't do as well as I should have done. And my family kind of like pushed me into doing office work. And every single job that I had, I was very, very good at it. But I had a lot of days off and I've been diagnosed with this illness and At one point, I was working for the government and I was driving to work. I had a disabled space. I was getting ready to apply for disability benefits. And I decided that I needed to change something and I didn't know how I was going to be able to change it. I think for most people outside of the US, kind of the only option of like working from home or having control over your own time and your own work was to kind of join an MLM Mm, mm -hmm. and that was something that I really didn't want to do because I knew many people that had gone through that and failed miserably so for me it was about finding something that I could do from home that felt legitimate Mm -hmm. and eventually I found online English teaching and that to me was legitimate I was getting paid every month by this company and that was fine so when I actually started my own business, I did find it quite hard. I found it quite hard because I felt like everything that I was seeing was like, oh, you need to be at your desk um, nine to five. Traditional employee jobs, not kind of contractor roles, people kind of dictating your working days and hours. And I was like, oh, this isn't good for me. Is this going to be right? Have I made the right choice here? The great thing with podcast management is that you don't need to be in front of your computer 24-7. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but because I'm not an OBM or any other kind of service provider, but I can imagine that a lot of it is more having lots of clients being in front of your computer all the time, not really having that time to be like, okay, today's a bad day. I'm not feeling really great today. How how do I explain this? To my clients. Mm-hmm. So for me, podcast management has kind of been a gift in that I think that there is a lot more kind of wiggle room to have that freedom and that and that space to kind of make your own choices about what you want to do. As far as my setup goes, I have a lot less clients than a lot of other people that are in this space. Because One of the lucky things about me living in Brazil is that the cost of living is a lot lower than, for example, if if I was in London or one of the big cities in the US. So my cost of living was lower here and I just didn't take on as many clients and I could live fine. And I think we've had this discussion before very slightly that a lot of the successes that people talk about in the digital space people are able to take these risks because they have a partner that has a decent job and they can kind of rely on their partner being the breadwinner or them being the breadwinner and having a partner with an okay wage. Whereas for me, it, that really wasn't the case. I was the breadwinner. I was also chronically ill and I needed to find a way that this was coming to work. And for us, mm-hmm. it was moving outside of Rio being a more rural area and it was taking on less clients. And that was totally flexible for me, as far as managing my chronic illness was concerned. Podcast management is something that majority of time you can do from your bed. Yeah. So for me, I can edit in bed. If I'm having a particularly bad day, I don't need to be sat down at my desk on a computer chair. I can literally be laid down in bed as comfortable as I want to be and just work from there. And it is no issue whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So that's a really big benefit.
0: Yeah. And I'm wondering how many even calls do you have to do? Because I I mean, when I was full on podcast management, like I rarely did calls. How many calls do you do, let's say a month
1: outside of sales calls? I probably have like one. A lot of my clients are super busy as well and they don't want to, to get on a call. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I have done is I will... A lot of screen recording. If I need a client to Mm -hmm. do something, I will do a screen recording, I will send that over. And then we'll communicate with each other through through Slack or through Trello or whatever, depending on what kind of task that it is. And I really don't do a lot of calls. I have one client that I do calls with occasionally, but that's more of kind of a friendly thing because we get on really well.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And for me. I don't really have to do that many. And I like it. The majority of my calls are sales calls. So that for me is good. That's for me is good. I agree. Like that's been my
0: experience as well, that you could potentially like build more calls into your packages, right? But you don't have to. And one of the the whole premise of podcast management is that like you're taking on this project from the client, right? So they don't necessarily want to get on a call again. They're like, no, just let's just do it and not get on a call, <laughs> exactly (laughs) let's just have one thing less on our schedules and let's just get it done and say hey thanks I love being on your team you know and move on with your day like I love that from the podcaster perspective and from the podcast manager perspective it's like less calls I love people but let's just do other things
1: (laughs) I don't get many opportunities to speak English anymore so when I get on calls I talk a lot (laughs) other than speaking to my parents probably once or twice a week, it's the only opportunity that I have to speak English. So when I get on to coffee chats or sales calls, sometimes it can go on for quite a while because I think (laughs) during lockdown as well, nobody's kind of getting that fresh contact with people. So keeping the calls to a minimum is kind of a good thing because otherwise I'd be on the call all day, just kind of looking for human contact in English.
0: (laughs) Yes. Now, do you find like because you're editing English, does it does that do something for you? Or is speaking just like that much
1: better? No, speaking that's so so much better, so much better. Because I'm kind of used to being surrounded by like English language things like TV and things like that. Mm. Netflix, even though my husband sometimes likes to watch it dubbed in Portuguese. I'm like No, you can't do that. <laughs> but it's not the same as speaking. It's definitely not the same as speaking. So definitely keeping the calls to the minimum at the moment. Yeah.
0: The flexibility though, you're right. It's just like, it's just incredible. But at the same time, like the the flexibility is there. The option is there. But like what you're saying, we can get into these by looking around at other people. We can think, oh, you know what? I actually have to be available during the day. Or I have, like, we just assume that, we have to follow what other people are doing when really it's our business. We can set it up however we want. We could tell clients like, oh yeah, I don't do calls or I don't work during the day or whatever. And granted, if you end up not being able to land any clients, you might have to tweak something if it's worth it to you. But at the end of the day, it's like if you have boundaries and you communicate them, most people will be like, okay, I'll follow them, right? So, but Exactly. You have to have that like personal conviction i guess maybe to say like okay i am gonna do this and i'm not gonna like be a people pleaser and like let people move it all around so are there any like boundaries i feel like maybe that you've put up that you're happy about or maybe things that you're working on as far as like client boundaries go as far as
1: like client boundaries go i think it's just making sure that i'm covering myself making sure that those expectations are already set before we even start. Mm-hmm. So I always have like a 24 hour response period in the welcome pack. I always make that clear because even if I wasn't chronically ill, I wouldn't want to be on my phone all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, so much of our business like involves like being on social media all the time, being attached to your phone. And Sometimes you just don't want to, to do it. So having that thing to fall back on being like, okay, I have 24 hours. I know this it's written down in the welcome pack. I can, you know, send them to the welcome pack again. It if, if needs be, mm-hmm. but I guess in a way I've been quite lucky that I have a lot of, I'm lucky in the sense that my clients understand my kind of position And that's part of the reason why I kind of chose to kind of niche down into these particular areas of podcasts, because I knew that there was probably going to be that little bit more empathy than if I, for example, was working on business podcasts, for example, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So what kind of uh, podcasts do you work on?
1: I have kind of niched down into medics and therapists, mm-hmm. but I also have a bit of a side interest in a lot of kind of political things. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I've been able to do is kind of notice where podcasts are needed. So one of my clients was having particular issues with trolls. Uh, she is a prominent person in the kind of fat liberation space. Mm-hmm. She's a medical doctor. She's incredible and I love her.
0: That's an awesome pairing, you know?
1: Yes. And I was seeing what she was going through kind of with social media, with algorithms, with trolls. She was constantly being reported by, by people and having her accessibility on these apps kind of be shut down. And I was like, this is somebody that that needs a podcast. People have a lot of bad things to say about podcasts. It's a little bit like the wild west. There's kind of nobody really policing what podcasters are doing, and this is why podcasts are uh, so popular with kind of right wing politics kind of ideology. Mm-hmm. But also, it can, that can be used for good as well. So, if you, for example. If you are an anti-racism educator and you've constantly got people in your inbox or in your comments saying horrible things about you, you can move that off Instagram. Mm -hmm. You can move like the chunky in-depth information that's firing up these trolls. You can take that away from Instagram or Facebook or Twitter and you can put that in a podcast and you can do kind of your basic marketing on Instagram or Facebook without having your kind of privileges as a user taken away from you. Yes. And fearing losing your platform entirely. So that's been something that I've been working on recently is trying to trying to find spaces in the podcast world for people that are having these issues with being censored online.
0: Yeah. And obviously trolls will pop up anywhere, but like trolls are so much or they're so much less likely to listen to like a 30 minute episode or longer. Like they're, they're not going to invest that much time. They're just going to go on Instagram and, you know, swipe, swipe and write ugly things. So yeah, I, I think that's so, it's got to be so effective. Like, like I said, you can write negative reviews on podcasts, but ultimately we know that it doesn't really matter. It's like, it's going to, they probably won't chart. Okay. Who cares if they've got an amazing message and people are listening, then who cares about the charts? and a negative review is going to show is actually probably just going to pull people in you know like if it was a health at any size type of person like you're saying then and it someone said like oh she's just talking about how great it is to be fat a true listener would be like okay that's my show <laughs> you know like exactly it's, it's probably just going to be attract them because they're going to be like yeah I'm, we're all used to this type of hate which is unfortunate but a reality in some of these spaces i think health at any size and like that is such a great example of this I think that's so cool because you you approach this influencer with hey you should start a podcast right you you came to oh yeah with
1: the idea I came to her I came to her on my personal Instagram it wasn't even like a cold pitch it wasn't something that I keep my personal and my business kind of profiles on Instagram very separate from each other like mm-hmm. I never even told my friends and family that well maybe my mom I think I told my mom and my sister if they were paying attention to me when I told them anyway <laughs> that I <laughs> that I was doing this and I haven't even spoken to my closest friends like my parents and my husband know that I do this and pretty much nobody else really knows mm-hmm. because I wanted to be able to kind of separate what I was doing and being able to kind of take control of the data. I wanted to know how many of my followers on my business account were ideal clients. Were they interacting with me or was it just my friends from university, like pressing like buttons and saving things and sharing. And I wanted to be able to capture that. So I keep things very separate and I just been seeing that she's been going through this kind of cycle of constantly like being censored on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and then waiting the 30 days, getting back that access again. And the same thing was happening. I I was like, you need a podcast. And it didn't come from a place of, I need your money. It came from a space of, I don't want you to lose your platform. You're doing such a good job to get this message out there. I feel like if you hold off any longer you could find yourself losing your platform altogether Mm -hmm. so let's sit down and have a conversation I don't care if there's a contract coming out of it at the end for me I don't care if I benefit from this but let's sit down and have a chat and let me tell you your options of how you can kind of future-proof your platform as as an influencer and as as a doctor yeah And yeah, it's like, we
0: think that we like are, that our Instagram handles will be ours forever. Like we think that they're ours and they're not, you know, it's, they're not, they can easily be taken away. Not that that's fair or right, but like it's, it's a company, right? So yeah. Whereas just podcasting is still the wild, wild west, which we have to deal with on a regular
1: basis as podcast
0: managers. (laughs) It does not make things easy, but it's a fun game to play at least.
1: (laughs) There will probably come a point down the line where it is going to be policed a bit more, I think. But at the moment, you know, the hosts or the directories aren't going to take responsibility for the content on there. So let's just fill it with, you know, radical thinkers and cool people with cool ideas and kind of drown out the people with all those negative kind of sentiments and Mm -hmm. take control of it. Hey there,
0: I wanted to interrupt this episode with a quick message for you. If you are listening to this show, then you are either wanting to become a podcast manager or currently a podcast manager. And I wanted to invite you to my free masterclass where I show you how to become a profitable podcast manager without working more than 20 hours per week. So, in this masterclass, I break down what it would look like for you to be making three to 5K per month working as a podcast manager without working more than 20 hours a week. Not only do I break that down, but I also talk about the three myths that I used to believe that was keeping me away from being a profitable podcast manager and that you might be believing as well. That and I share all the details about. My podcast manager program. So if you're interested in learning more, learning the three myths that might be keeping you away from becoming a profitable podcast manager, or you just want to see what does it take to be a profitable podcast manager, then grab a seat to my masterclass. I would love to see you there. Just head to laurenwrighton.com forward slash masterclass and it'll show the next available time. Okay. Awesome. That is it. Go sign up for the masterclass. I can wait to see you there. Let's get back to the episode. In the podcasting industry, for the most part, loves like indie things like, you know, fresh ideas, like you're saying, like, you know, people thinking outside the box and less commercialized messaging. And, and so because the podcasting was like, I mean, podcasting has been around forever and nobody was doing it at the same time. And so I, a lot of like, kind of industry people I feel like I've seen talk about this they like they want to keep it real conversations happening and those real conversations are those conversations that are hard to have on social media sometimes so yeah I I do think sometimes you know policing will happen eventually but I don't think it'll any it'll be anything close to like social media
1: right yeah I think it's going to be a lot harder for that kind of policing to take place in the podcasting world, but. I don't think that it will happen because it's going to be just so much more difficult to do it. Right. Because it's having some sort of algorithm, like listening to spoken, spoken word. And, Mm -hmm. but I think as well, a lot of people felt like they didn't really have a place in the podcasting world. Like Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people feel like they need to be invited in. And Mm. I think this is partially because celebrities have kind of taken over podcasting podcasting used to, used to be something for you know when radio started going out of fashion people being like oh i'll go into podcasting people that had experience in radio and then you know there was like these cult of personalities surrounding certain people um in the podcasting space and then i think that a lot of celebrities were like oh i'm gonna jump on this now Mm -hmm. and so there's so many people out there that would love to have kind of have this creative outlet of a podcast but they just don't feel like they belong there and they need to be invited in by someone.
0: Yeah. So then you you did that for this client that you have now. You literally invited her in. Like, that's so cool to think about because like you're saying, I do think that people think of podcasting as this like really official thing. It's not like starting a new IG handle, right? Yeah. It's something that feels so much more official and therefore less accessible to some And they think, yeah, they think they need to be invited. And I like that terminology. And so maybe that's even a tip for people listening of, you know, if you're doing cold pitching or the way you talk about podcast management is like, invite people to do this. Tell them that they have a story that's important. They have words that need to be heard. You know, I think just saying that to people, they're like, you know what? You know, maybe I've been through a lot of hard stuff in my life and I need to encourage someone else. Or maybe I've got a great message that I'm having a hard time communicating elsewhere. Um But I love the idea of like inviting people to to come on into the space.
1: Like one of the reasons why I wanted to work with therapists was that I felt like there was kind of this gap between people wanting to go to therapy wanting to be better wanting to take care of their mental health but not having that confidence to kind of take the leap Mm. so podcasting for therapists and people working kind of the mental health space it's like a bridge because like you said previously um, what we spoke about previously about people wanting to be invited in needing to to be invited in and it's like why and it's because one of the great benefits of podcasting is the intimacy but with intimacy comes vulnerability and people are confused about their emotions about why they might they want a podcast they want to start a podcast but they need that support to get there and I don't think it's just necessarily the the tech or the where do I start I, think it's opening themselves up to be vulnerable and sharing their story as well, especially on such a public platform.
0: Mm -hmm. So true. I think there's definitely a need for, you know, kind of that more of that coach role in the podcasting space of how to kind of coach someone into their into their message. Because I don't know if you've worked on podcasts like this, but I've worked on podcasts that kind of felt like a duplicate of another show. And it's such a shame because it's like, you know, that person has something unique to offer, but they're not there. They're not sharing it yet. And it's probably the vulnerability piece. They're not ready to be vulnerable. But it's so much more obvious in podcasting when someone isn't sharing their truth in some way, you know, because it's just like comes off as like another pot, like, oh, this is just another podcast about marketing or whatever it is, you know, because of just that intimate nature of podcasting. People just kind of bear it all (laughs) because you're sitting in your closet. In front of a mic, and you're like, "Okay, I'm ready." To Time to life. overshare. <laughs> exactly.
1: That was what I was thinking today. I was like, "Charlotte, do not overshare. Do not overshare." <laughs> but That's no, cool. it is like a hugely vulnerable thing to do, and I also think this is why I kind of stepped away from doing business podcasts mm. because, you know, I was working on certain things. And it just kind of felt like the same like the same thing Mm -hmm. I was waiting for value and value doesn't necessarily have to be your signature framework you don't have to give your signature framework away but you have to give something and on a lot of the business podcasts I was listening to or doing bits and pieces for that value was missing and that's not necessarily something that you know, you're going to implement it in your business and be super successful. I think a lot of it is that little piece of vulnerability being present in an episode. And I think that a lot of that is the storytelling aspect yes. is missing from business podcasts.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, they could end up sharing the same information, the same value could be shared. But sometimes the true value is, in the person's story of like, how did they yeah. learn this lesson? How did they, how did they feel when they learned this lesson or all of those things? It's like, and then the way that they tell it, the way that they tie their, their story together. I mean, it is storytelling is an art, right? Like, you know, I love that for this first question. I always ask people of like, you know, tell me about yourself. And all of a sudden you're like, if you're on the other end of that question, you're just like, there's so much about me yet. There's nothing at all. <laughs> You're like, how do I make sense of the last 20, 30 years of my life <laughs> in a
1: one-minute answer, you know, unless you practiced and thought about it. For me, I think it's like, how do I talk about the last 30 years of my life without people thinking that I'm absolutely crazy? <laughs> yes, 100%. I actually saw a
0: post in a podcasting group, Facebook group the other day that said like, what was the one thing that you feared? before you became a podcaster or something like that. And I thought the first thing that came to my head was sounding dumb. I feel like that's kind of an underlying fear of podcasters that they're like, people are going to be listening. No matter how many people it is, you know, 100 people, 1,000 people, 10, whatever, people are going to be listening to me really listening to me very clearly listening to me and what if I come off dumb what if you know I say like too many times or what if I stumble upon my words or, or whatever and it's like that's almost the beauty in it
1: yeah I see that but you have to put yourself out there I think one of the reasons why I've never done one myself is like as I said before like I'm a super studier like I like to get all the information I like to plan it and I like to write and things like that Mm-hmm. And then with podcasting, it's just so easy to like go off on a, a tangent, to go off and overshare and to maybe say something in a way that people might find offensive. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like maybe, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm mm-hmm. not perfect and I'm not an expert. I am a very political person. I spend a lot of time reading, but I'm not actually an expert. And some of the biggest things I see people being concerned about or being upset about is when in terms of language, maybe they've got something a little off, they've gone off on a tangent and that people are, people are scared of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm also very concerned as well that this is going to come out like I'm some right winger. (laughs) I just want to put it out. No, I'm not, but a lot of people, um, are afraid of saying something wrong yes. not necessarily sounding dumb sounding insensitive that's yes. a better way of putting it yes sounding insensitive right and they're not going to know that they've been insensitive or they've worded something incorrectly until that episode is out there into the world and everybody has already listened to it mm-hmm. so I think that is another fear of people starting a podcast
0: yeah and I think you have to balance You know, if you are someone that has something important to share, you have to balance that fear of saying it the wrong way and with needing to say it, period, right? Yeah. And know and ask your audience for permission to mess up, right? Like say, hey, I'm not going to be perfect and I want to improve. So, you know, let me know whenever I've said something that is is offensive and I won't take it personally or I probably will take it personally and change, (laughs) but I won't you know, I won't attack you for telling me that I said something that was insensitive. Like, I think there's so much growth in that potential growth if just having those conversations, right? I even read something today, a rule in a Facebook group that said, try to avoid saying, hey guys, hey girls, because, you know, people might not associate with those terms. And I was like, oh wow, I say that all the time in Facebook groups. But now that I know, I want to do better. You know, I can't necessarily go back and change every time I've said that. (laughs) that would be crazy, but I can do better. And so I think that's what it's about is just on this topic, you just have to kind of, at some point you have to be willing to put yourself out there and learn.
1: Exactly. And that is something that I've been trying to work on as well. I say guys a lot as a collective Mm -hmm. Um, in my head is very much like gender neutral Mm -hmm. because it's something that where I grew up it was just kind of normal to say to people but obviously like I've seen this and people being like oh you probably shouldn't use this and I'm like okay I'm gonna try and like Mm -hmm. I'm gonna correct myself I'm gonna try and consciously stop doing this I'm gonna correct myself if I say it and then realize I said it afterwards and I'm like oh I'm gonna go and correct myself now yeah so that is something that like I am working on and I think a lot of people are working on trying to to be more inclusive. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the brilliant things about podcasting is there's so little opportunity for marginalized people to get their stories out there. And podcasting is perfect. Mm-hmm. Podcasting is perfect for the cost effectiveness. Mm-hmm. Having that creative outlet for a prize it doesn't need to cost much you can literally start a podcast for near to nothing Mm -hmm. with your headphones and anchor and edit in anchor or edit in audacity and Mm -hmm. get though the free version of canva you can make all your things with little to no money and get people's voices out there that need and deserve to be heard
0: yeah that's such a big motivation for me personally is like knowing that Other people have these stories that are just so powerful. But like you said, they might be a lot harder for them to get it out there than someone that has more privilege. Exactly. So I think that's such a great point. And starting your podcast like that and getting it up and running. And then when you're ready to hand things off, you can do that. You know, like you don't have to start with necessarily with a podcast manager or you can. Like that's obviously we know that. But a lot of people don't realize like, hey, you could, well, I guess maybe they do at this point, they know like, hey, you can start a podcast with Anchor. Like, and then at some point, you'll have this, don't, don't you feel like people have this moment where they're like, oh, no, I'm like not a real podcaster because I use Anchor. And I'm like, oh, that's a whole nother conversation that it's like,
1: no, whatever way you can do it, do it. Exactly. Like, I had a coffee chat with somebody the other day, and they were like, um, I really need kind of like a one-off strategy work I need somebody to just show me the direction where I can do this as as cheap as possible mm. and I said to that person I'm like anchor yeah anchor it's free if I was speaking to a paying client that was doing their their podcast for business if they had certain goals that they wanted to achieve I would Host wise, I would put all the options out there to them. I would explain the, you know, the positives and the negatives about each individual host and let somebody make that decision for the for themselves. Mm-hmm. But one of the great things about Anchor is that it has opened up people who are more marginalized than others, being able to start a podcast and get their story out there for next to no money whatsoever. And that's what I like about Anchor.
0: Yeah, definitely definitely and it's just a host at the end of the day they all have their positives and their negatives so it's like just one little piece of the pie of get you know of getting your show up and running so you know some people can get super hung up on those details of who they use or who they don't use and it's like to me it's more of like okay let's look at the big picture you know like let's get let's like we're talking about earlier let's talk about your message let's talk about your vulnerability let's you know let's talk about what you really want to accomplish with the show and get it up however we can
1: exactly look at the features of each individual host and be like what works for you for one of my clients because I know that in in the podcasting space Libsyn's kind of like the number one Libsyn's Mm -hmm. like the standard that people go to and I was having these discussions with my clients about the kind of things that they wanted Um, one of my clients wanted sponsorships they wanted sponsorships, and they wanted to be able to change it. They wanted to be able to have that dynamic content to go back and be able to change old episodes with new with new sponsors to be able to gain more money to keep mm-hmm. the to keep the podcast going. And so for me, Buzzsprout for that client felt like a really good thing. So I think when choosing a host, you need to look at the pricing and you need to look at the features, and you make that decision about what's going to be best for you.
0: Yeah, I love that. This has been so good. And thank you so much for sharing. I feel like we've touched on stuff that like, I haven't been able to talk about in other episodes. So I really appreciate that we could have that conversation. How can the listeners connect with you after the show?
1: The listeners can check me out on Instagram. My business account is at shahaldez.co. Other than that, that is pretty much where I hang out. I'm always on Instagram. I don't really use Facebook that much for business. I just prefer to be on Instagram basically, but yeah. Love it. People can check me out on Instagram at shaalvez.co. That's where I hang out.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for being here today. Thank you
1: so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it.
0: Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Come connect with me over on Instagram at Lauren Wrighton or in the Podcast Manager Mastermind Facebook group. And let me know what you liked about this episode. I love, love, love hearing your guys' feedback and what is resonating with you. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at laurenwrighton.com. Special thanks to my amazing podcast manager, Marcy Page on producing this episode. Alright, that's it. Until next time, I'll be cheering you on.